Welcome back to the Football Funders podcast. I am Ryan, your host. I start off with an apology because there has been no podcast for the last month. Several of the guys have been weighed down heavily with work and myself personally, I've been dealing with some medical issues that hopefully now have been resolved. So fingers crossed, we should be returning to some kind of weekly schedule soon. If not, now I'm healthy. I will try and continue the podcast until the guys are able to join me again. I had already planned to do a podcast last night and I was going to talk predominantly about Manchester United, obviously being a Manchester United fan and the England squad's obviously been announced for the World Cup. So we're going to talk about those today. But I was going to talk about praising Eric Ten Hag and just sort of briefly cover what I missed while we were away with a lot of stuff going on surrounding Cristiano Ronaldo. Sorry. And I was about to do the podcast last night. And then at about 10 o'clock last night, Cristiano Ronaldo dropped a tell-all interview with Piers Morgan on Talk TV. So I had to postpone it while the clips have come out. So we're going to start with that today. I'm going to talk, we're going to talk Cristiano Ronaldo. We're going to talk Alejandro Garnacho. And we're going to talk England. Also, apologies to our listeners. I'm doing this for the very first time on video format. This podcast will still be available to download as per normal via Spotify. Google, we're now on Amazon as well. You can find us pretty much anywhere now. But I'm doing it video format for the first time to upload to YouTube. So apologies to the listeners of the podcast who don't know what's going on when I'm screen sharing and stuff. I will read the facts as and when I can. So we're going to start off with Cristiano Ronaldo. He has given a tell-all interview claiming that he is being disrespected and that he is being forced out of Manchester United. So I'm going to screen share and we're going to talk about what Cristiano Ronaldo has actually said. Hopefully all of you can see the screen. Fingers crossed. This, as again, I apologise if this goes wrong. This is the very first time I've ever done this. So bear with me. Okay, so he has come out. Granted now, I will say, these are only snippets of the interview. The full interview is not going to come out until Wednesday and Thursday evening. It's a two-part interview on Talk TV with Piers Morgan on Wednesday and Thursday evening. So go online and have a look and watch it for yourself and make no accusation. Make up your own mind, okay? Um, but we're going to talk... But first, I just want to cover, if I can, sorry, I'm getting used to the screen here. Uh, I need this to go away. Thank you, please. Sorry, again, apologies. I just want to talk very quickly about some of Ronaldo's recent behaviours. So I hope you're seeing my screen. But just to give you an update on some of Ronaldo's behaviours, this is Cristiano Ronaldo being substituted at halftime against Rayo Vallecano earlier this year. And 
leaving before the match is finished. He didn't stay to support his teammates as part of the code of conduct at club. And he just left Old Trafford and went home. So that's one incident. We have another incident of if it loads him refusing to come on against Tottenham. Now, from my perspective, he should come on if he's told by his manager that he needs to come on. It doesn't matter how many minutes there are left in the game. If you are told to warm up and come on at any time as an employee of the club, you should come on and you should do what you're instructed to do by your manager. Again, Ronaldo didn't do this and he stormed off down the tunnel. As we know, it's very public knowledge at this point. Um, Sorry, bear with me one minute. I just need this pop-up to go. It's not going to go, is it? Let's see if I can shrink the screen for a moment. Hopefully you can still see this. Yes, you're now seeing what's on and I can pop it back up again. Right, and here we have Cristiano Ronaldo uh, being charged by the FA under Rule E3, which relates to improper and or violent contact over an issue surrounding an Everton fan sticking a phone in his face trying to get a picture and he smashed, he smacked the phone out of the, fan, the Everton fan's hand, destroying the Everton fan's phone. Uh, he did apologise and offered to buy him a new phone and offered him tickets to Old Trafford, which was declined by the parents. But again, another example of unprofessional behaviour, in my opinion. So, I think we've just set a boundary that Cristiano Ronaldo has not, this season and some of last season, been acting professionally. I think that is a fair comment to make. He was, he missed pre-season as well. There were family reasons. Sadly, his daughter was sick and he'd recently gone through the horrible tragedy of losing a son, which is something no parent should ever have to go through. Uh, So for those situations, he has my total sympathy. However, let's not get it twisted here. What he's doing, and with this interview, in my opinion, has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with his personal tragedies off the pitch. So let's actually have a look at what he said, because some of the stuff he has said is actually very fair comment. If I'm being honest, looking at the snippets so far from this interview, if he gave this interview after he left Manchester United, I would not have a problem with anything he said. I genuinely wouldn't. I don't have too much of an issue of his opinion about what's going on now. I just think it's very unprofessional and it's done at the wrong time. Once he's left the club, say whatever you want to say about your time there. But it doesn't help anybody if you unload the way Ronaldo's unloaded. And we're going to look into it, but from my perspective, it doesn't help your relationship with the manager. It doesn't help your relationship with the fans. It doesn't help your relationship with the board of directors who he's taken a pop at. It doesn't help your relationship with 
current teammates, previous teammates, club legends, who, again, we're going to talk about. And this is, from my perspective, just massively unprofessional, massively ill-timed. And it is a sign, yet again, from my perspective, that Cristiano Ronaldo is only about Cristiano Ronaldo. So let's look at the article that has been released by The Sun with Piers Morgan, who obviously was the host. This is him writing a column on what it's done. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has had enough of the sniping, the sneering and the endless blame game BS that's been flung at him over the past few months. So he's done an interview. I'm not going to read everything on the website because it's a lot of Piers Morgan talking about his perspective and what he thinks Ronaldo was saying. I'm actually just going to scroll down to uh, the actual quotes from Ronaldo himself. He claims that he feels betrayed and he's been made a black sheep. He doesn't say why yet. Again, I'm going to have to use that word yet. Um because we haven't seen the whole interview. So we're going to say yet. He's spoken on the appointment of Ralph Ranić and all the managers that he spoke to. Uh, now, let me start off by saying, I believe Cristiano Ronaldo came to Manchester United for two reasons. One, because he needed to get out of Juventus because Juventus didn't want him there anymore. And it's a bit weird from my perspective that they didn't want Cristiano Ronaldo there when he played there for three years and scored 101 goals during his time. If the stats that I've seen are correct, then why would you want that player to leave? There was obviously underlying issues. Now, Juventus came out afterwards and several Juventus players came out and said, we just had to move in a different direction. It was all becoming about Cristiano Ronaldo and we're looking to rebuild. But at the time... No, as from everywhere that I've looked, I can't find anywhere anybody from Juve saying anything negative about Cristiano Ronaldo. There's been a lot of talk from journalists during his time at Juve, but nothing from the club itself. But they wanted to get rid of him. There was rumours, and I've heard it said that Manchester City were after him. I do not believe that's true. I believe he used the media to flush out Manchester United because I believe that going back to Manchester United was his only viable option for two reasons. And those two reasons were, one, they would pay him what he wanted because they could afford to. And two, one of his friends, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and former teammate, was manager of Manchester United. So he felt that he could come to Manchester United, behave how he wanted to behave, and get away with whatever he wanted to. And under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he could do that. Under Ralph Ranić, he got away with it for the vast majority. And to be fair, his performances on the pitch in terms of goals scored backed up his ability to do so. This season, however, very different story. His performances haven't been good. He hasn't been as fit as he would because obviously he missed pre-season training because of a combination of things his daughter was ill and that, and that's a sad thing and he has my sympathy for that but he was also agitating for a move elsewhere because he wanted to play Champions League football and Manchester United were not in the Champions League so 
he wanted to leave. And I also believe that there was a conversation, and this is just speculation, but I also believe that there was a conversation between Ronaldo and Eric Ten Hag at the beginning of the season when Eric Ten Hag came in and said, right, okay, what's the situation? And Ronaldo said, right, I want to leave. And Eric Ten Hag said, right, find yourself a move. We'll allow you to leave because I'm looking at the future of the club, not the present or the past. So it was like, okay, you want to leave. I'm not going to stand in your way because I'm not really going to use you. So get yourself a move. And if it works for the club, all the best. But he's quoted, and fairly, I think, some of the stuff he said in here is fair. I think a lot of it is pandering to the fans to try and not have the fans turn on him. Because if you go on social media, onto Twitter, and they're like, a lot of fans, a lot of proper Manchester United fans are not happy with this interview. They are not happy with the way he's conducted himself, particularly over the last 12 months. There are obviously fanboys of Ronaldo all over Twitter with avatars and their names as CR7. And they're like, oh, he's a legend. The club's disrespecting him, blah, 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 blah. They're fanboys. They don't care about Manchester United. They're just Ronaldo fanboys. I'd argue they're probably not even real football fans because they don't actually support a club. They support a player, not a football team. They just go wherever that player happens to be. But on, Ralph Ranyanke said, if you're not even a coach, how are you going to be the boss of Manchester United? I'd never even heard of him. Again, these quotes can't be taken out of context because they're from Piers Morgan himself, who did the interview. So these are from uh, Ronaldo himself. On Eric Ten Hag, I don't have respect for him because he doesn't show respect for me. I believe this is because... Ronaldo isn't playing week in, week out. He believes he should be playing week in, week out. And he's not. And I think he sees that as disrespectful because he, in his mind, he still believes he's the best player on the planet and he's going to smash all these goal-scoring records. And there's a lot of made of his uh, of a, a rivalry with Messi. But I'm not getting into that. I'm not sure I buy into that one. But he still believes that he's the best player in the world. The problem is he's not. He's 38 years old now. His body, although he is still in fantastic condition, the pace of the Premier League, he can't keep up anymore. We've seen it several times. I also find it interesting that he says that Eric Ten Hag doesn't respect him when Eric Ten Hag made him captain recently. I believe it was in the loss against Aston Villa when Bruno Fernandes wasn't available. So if he's disrespecting him and doesn't believe in him and doesn't rate him, then why is he making him captain and starting him in a game? It doesn't make any real sense. I believe that Ronaldo also feels disrespected because he broke the code of conduct, which every player signs along with their contract, agrees to and signs. It's um, a collaborative effort between the coaches and the players. They all do it together. Um, they come to an agreement over it and it's renewed annually about who gets fined for what and what offence and how much. Ronaldo breached the code of conduct at the club when he refused to come on. He was he was suspended. He was dropped. He was fined. He was made to train, uh, I think it was with the reserves, under 23s, whatever, for a, a couple of days to serve penance. And then he was brought in and put straight back into the squad. So I don't understand where he feels respected. I think this is an ego thing. I think the fact that he's been suspended for the very first time in his life ever, 
I think, weighs heavily on his ego. He does not like the fact that we've got a new manager who has brought professionalism and discipline back to the dressing room. He's not free. He's not free to conduct himself however he sees fit because he feels he's bigger than Manchester United. He's above any football team in the world, and his only rivalry, arguably, arguably on the planet, is with Messi. So he's free to conduct himself and do however he wants. I don't agree with him. I think he's been thoroughly unprofessional, pretty much since he returned to Manchester United. And I think he's, people have said he's got enough money he could buy out his contract. The reality is he's not going to buy out his contract. He could. He won't. Because at the end of the day, he's going to be missing about 500 grand a week. It's probably about 250 grand after tax because tax in the UK is, for high earners is 50%. So 50% of your earnings, you immediately lose. So if he's on 500 grand a week, he's getting 200 grand a week. But let's scroll down. So we've just briefly covered the managerial thing. He's also gone after Wayne Rooney because Wayne Rooney has spoken about uh, Ronaldo's conduct recently. So let's have a look at what Wayne Rooney has actually said. If this computer will allow me, please, can you get rid of this pop-up? I don't know how to get rid of it. I just want to get to the Wayne Rooney article. Right, we're going to have to do this again. I apologise. I know this is... As I said, this is my first time doing it. I'm really not used to it, so I do apologise. It looks completely unprofessional, but it's, this is not helping. Can I drag it? No, it's not letting me drag it. Okay. Let's see if we can make it larger again. Right. right go, on, go away. Right. Excellent. Here's what Wayne Rooney said. Sorry about that. Wayne Rooney has been disappointed with Cristiano Ronaldo's conduct. So where are his quotes? When asked on TalkSport Radio if Manchester United were better with or without Ronaldo, or do they play better with Ronaldo, I should say, Rooney said, no, I don't think so. Him and Messi are arguably the two best players of all time, and you can go either way with that, whatever way you decide. But I just think the things he has done from the start of the season, it is not acceptable for Manchester United. I've seen Roy Keane defending him. Roy wouldn't accept that. Roy wouldn't accept that at all. It is a distraction which Manchester United don't need at the minute, trying to rebuild. For Cristiano, for Cristiano, just get your head down and work and be ready to play when the manager needs you. If he does that, he will be an asset. If he doesn't, it will become an unwanted distraction. So Wayne Rooney has simply said his behaviour has been unprofessional and unacceptable. He should be behaving better, which I think most people would agree with. Obviously, the fanboys will disagree. Um Rooney went on to say, I think Eric Ten Hag has done very well. He's come in and stamped his authority on the team. And for the first time in about two or three years, I'm starting to see an identity with Manchester United, which I haven't seen in the last two or three years. He's shown his strength and his character with how he dealt with Cristiano Ronaldo at times with the stuff he's been up to. He's the right man for the job. I think it will take time, but it's a real step in the right direction to finish in that top four and get Champions League football again. 
Ronaldo has, cla- has complained about what Rooney has said, and I don't think Rooney said anything wrong. He says, I don't know why he criticises me so badly, probably because he finished his career and I'm still playing at a high level. I'm not going to say that I'm looking better than him, which is true. And that's Ronaldo. Again, just more proof of Ronaldo's arrogance, of his ego consuming him to the point where he's criticising a legend of Manchester United. Now, Wayne Rooney was never my favourite player. And I apologise if there's any background noise, there's something going on outside. Rooney was never my favourite player. However, all-time leading goal scorer, all-time leading goal scorer for England, I think, most caps for England or something. You know, it is... Oh, I apologise for the noise. I genuinely do. The gardeners have decided to come round and mow the grass out the back. But yeah, so not only is Ronaldo criticising Wayne Rooney for retiring and becoming a manager, but also criticising his looks. It, again, it's very, very immature. Um, he's clearly burning bridges at Manchester United. It's a terrible thing to do. Uh, he clearly wants to leave. He clearly doesn't want to be there. And so he's decided before the World Cup, I'm going to insult the manager. I'm going to insult legends of the clubs. He has spoken about the fans. He says uh, he followed his heart in coming to Manchester United. Again, I apologise if the noise is coming through the microphone. I followed my heart, he says, simply tapping his chest. Sir Alex said to me, it's impossible for you to come to Manchester City. And I said, OK, boss. And he was welcomed back with open arms, to be honest. He then goes on to make comments about the lack of uh, development at the club from a facilities point of view. He says the progress was zero since Sir Alex left. I saw no evolution in the club. Nothing has changed. He's talking about the training ground. He's talking about other facilities. Where are we? Sorry. He's, he's, if you go on to Twitter, or I'm sure it's probably on YouTube by now as well, Piers Morgan has posted lots of clips where he go, he speaks a little bit more. I did want to use those clips on this video, but I feared if I did, I'd probably get the video struck off for copyright issues. So I really, being it my first stream, I really don't want to get struck, basically. He says, I love Manchester United, I love the fans, they're always on my side, but if they want to do it different, they have to change many, many things. As Picasso said, you have to destroy it to rebuild it. It's not quite what just uh, Picasso said, but the artist's exact quote is, every act of creation is first an act of destruction. And if they start with me, for me, it's not a problem. So he's basically saying he loves the fans, but if the fans don't want him anymore, then he'll happily go. Uh, as for what Sir Alex Ferguson thinks of the current situation, Ronaldo says he knows better than anybody that the club is not on the path they deserve to be. He knows everyone knows. The people who don't see that, it's because they don't want to see they are blind. Um, he's talking here about the lack of investment in the infrastructure of Manchester United Football Club, the training ground, 
Old Trafford itself. Again, apologies if the noise is coming through. And he's, to be fair, he has a fair and very accurate point. The Glazers have invested a lot of money in paying managers and paying players and bringing players in. However, they have not invested heavily in Old Trafford or the training ground. And he claims that Manchester United as a club have stagnated as a result because of the lack of investment. And he has a fair point. I'm not going to argue with him. He's 100% correct. The problem is, is you don't make these statements while you're still an employee of the club because you're going to get punished for it because it's going to be seen as being disrespectful to the club, arguably in breach of your contract, uh, bringing the club into disrepute. He's not wrong, but he's wrong to say it now, as I said before. Let's see if there's any more comments, because a lot of it, as I said, is he talks about his family and um, how his family is everything to him, even more so after the tragic loss that they suffered, even more so after what we have been through this year, he says. And no one can dispute that. No one can disagree with that. He has sadly suffered a great tragedy and you can't help but feel sorry for him. Um, he has made comments with regarding um, he felt that he wasn't supported by the club during the time that his daughter was ill. And we're going to wait again. This is only bits and bobs going on. You can find the more... You can find the actual clips online. As I said, I just didn't feel comfortable using them in case I got struck for copyright. Um, he talks about the fans. He's he's pandering to the fans a lot in this. I think it's trying to cover up his own behaviour. I don't, don't genuinely believe that he loves Manchester United. I don't genuinely believe he cares about the fans. I think it is all about Ronaldo being the best in the world. I was at a game between Manchester United and Charlton many, many years ago when Ronaldo was young and had only just arrived at Manchester United. And uh, he started diving all over the place and Roy Keane got up and dragged him up by the collar of his shirt and said, we don't do that here and instilled in him some standards that I think Ronaldo is being a bit hypocritical with because now you've seen it in the last year, he's complained that young players don't want to listen to him the same way that he listened to people like Roy Keane. But he's not conducting himself in a way that players would want to listen to him. Because if he's throwing his toys out of the pram, and in this case, he's not only throwing his toys out of the pram, he's throwing himself out of the pram, then what on earth? Why would a young player want to listen to someone acting this unprofessional? It doesn't make sense. I'm sure Ronaldo can teach a lot of players about how to take care of their own bodies and uh, about dedicating themselves to a sport or to their ambition. But what Ronaldo is not and has never been, and we've seen it everywhere, is he is not a team player. He is egocentric. He's highly driven. And he's one of the best players in the, in the world. Arguably, probably the, one of the top five players ever to play football in the 100 plus years that football has been a sport. You can't deny that. You can't take that away from him. However, his professional conduct, 
his attitude. He's not a humble human being. This is a man who has statues of him in his own house. You know, his ego is enormous. So I, I personally don't believe he cares anything about Manchester United or the fans. He is there to play football, make as much money as possible, increase his own brand. And he's there for Ronaldo, let's be honest. Whatever happens, he made it clear to me that his, that his heart will always be with the club and especially its fans, writes Piers Morgan. Ronaldo says they are the most important things in football. You play for them. They are always on my side. I feel that every time when I go out, when I walk in the streets, the fans come up to me and they appreciate what I do for football. The fans for me are everything. This is why I give this interview, because I think it's the right time to speak my mind. He's not giving this interview for the fans. He's giving this interview to try and get out of the door. That is exactly what he's done. He is burning his bridges at Manchester United. As I said, if he gave this interview... After he left Manchester United, I would not have an issue with anything he's said. His opinion is his opinion. He's entitled to his opinion. He's entitled to his feelings. I think, personally, I think his feelings are heavily clouded. That is the end of the article. I think his feelings are heavily clouded. I think that he has been massively unprofessional. And I think it's also genuinely very, very sad that his Manchester United career is going to end this way. I genuinely do because he's, for me, he is not an icon for Manchester United. He's a legend and I will always be grateful for the things he did for the club. I mean, he won a Balloon Dior with us. Not that the Balloon Dior actually has any relevance for me because for me personally, it's a popularity contest. It's not based on any real significance, to be honest, because we saw it with Lewandowski the other year. He should have won that hands down and they didn't give him the trophy. They gave it to Messi and said, who just turned up at PSG and hadn't exactly set the world on fire at the time, although he's doing better now. So balloon deals don't matter to me, but he did win a European Cup with us. One, maybe two, I think. I'm not looking at stats at the moment. So he's won, I think, three league titles with us off the top of my head. He, he's won us a lot. But for me, his legacy, his iconic status as a football player came at Real Madrid. It didn't come at Manchester United. So for me, Rooney is more of an icon than Ronaldo is because Ronaldo did the took his game to a whole other level in Spain. You could argue that the the quality of defending in Spain isn't very good. I'd argue that it isn't very good in the Premier League either. But when you're scoring 50, 60 goals a year or ridiculous stuff like that, between that was just him and Messi was doing the same for Barca at the time as well. That's where they both, that's where he became iconic as a football player. So I... I thank him for his time. I don't appreciate his behaviour, his unprofessionalism. I think he's desperately trying to get out of Manchester United. And I think he's got a strong-willed manager who he's butting heads with. Apparently, there is more coming out. Piers Morgan has done a brief interview with TalkSport this morning talking about the interview itself. He's very shady about 
revealing certain details, um, like, for example, when it was recorded. He didn't want to give that information out. Um, but he's made, he claims there's a lot more inflammatory stuff to come, and that's understandable. As I said, we've only seen clippets of the interview so far, so there will be more to come. But I do believe this is, this is his desperate attempt to get out of the club because he wanted to leave in the summer. He couldn't leave in the summer because no one wanted him because he's 37, 38. He's on about 500 grand a week. He's not getting any younger. He's losing more and more mobility. You see it on the pitch now. If you look at him on this season compared to last season, he's lost speed. He's lost mobility. He can't. If you look at a lot of his goals, I've noticed he's shooting from a long way out and scoring a lot of long-range goals, to be fair, um, because he just can't beat or get in front of that defender anymore because the pace is running out. I think he sees himself just like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and he his body is not keeping up with his brain. So I think he's trying to get out of Manchester United. I think he's got a, a strong manager, which he's butting heads with because his ego got so big at Madrid that he thinks he's untouchable. And no football player, no matter who you are, whether you're Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, are untouchable. A football club is always bigger than its players because it will be there long after that player has retired. And Cristiano Ronaldo can believe he's bigger than Manchester United, but he isn't. I think he's unprofessional. I think he's burnt his bridge at Manchester United. I think he's damaged his image in Manchester United's fans' eyes. He's made complaints about people in the upper echelon of Manchester United at director level that want him out, which I find genuinely bizarre considering one of his former teammates, Darren Fletcher, is now a director at Manchester United. So why would one of his own friends be trying to force him out of the football club? It doesn't add up. There's a lot of stuff here from Ronaldo and we'll get more context and more depth on it. But there is a lot here for me that very, very simply does not add up to what Ronaldo is saying. So I'm now going to throw over to our associates at Football Funders, which are going to share the screen, share this again. Hopefully this works, which is the Proper Blokes Club of walking and talking to break the stigma surrounding men's mental health and helping men cope with mental health. Uh, go to www.thepropablokesclub.co.uk and see if there is a walk in your area. If not, contact the guys and see if you can get them to help you set up a walk. The more walks, the more talks, the better it is for men. Men, as a rule, don't tend to talk about their mental health. It's guys like this and there's other people around including let us talk mental health the football team raising money for the mental health charity mind you can find them on twitter at let us talk underscore mh there you go it should be on your screen these guys again they do a lot more dan of the podcast is involved you can see him there just at the top that's dan in the blue shirt He's assistant manager, if my memory serves me correctly, and heavily involved. They raise money. They also 
do a lot of other stuff as well. And it's good to combine sports and for your mental health, much in the same way it is walking. Any exercise is good for your mental health. So shout outs to those guys as well. Um, we're happy to share their stuff and lend our platform to these guys. And I hope they continue to do what they they are doing. Um, right. So going to move on. So, as Ronaldo's star sadly fades at Manchester United, a new star appears to have been born, one Alejandro Garnacho. Again, I'm going to screen share because I'm trying to get the idea of this. There we go. I'm also doing it with screenshots because the website appeared to be slowing my stream down. Here is his stats so far for Manchester United this season. Now, let's talk about Alejandro Garnacho. There's been a lot made in the media of, uh, Eric Ten Hag and Bruno Fernandes calling out Garnacho for a perceived attitude issue at the beginning of the season. Um, a lot of people think this is bad. A lot of people think they shouldn't be doing it in public. I think it's actually very clever what they're doing because I think Eric Ten Hag and the captain Bruno Fernandes are setting an example or making an example of Garnacho, I should say. Uh, towards all future youngsters. We've got some good ones coming through. Hannibal's the big one for me, who I believe will come back from Birmingham and if his attitude's right, will be in the first team. Uh, but there's a lot of talent at Carrington. Excuse me, I apologise. A big thank you to uh, transfermarket.co.uk or .com for this one, for the stats. Sorry, but yeah, going back on to the point, they're, they're setting an example. They're making an example of him saying, right, if you improve your attitude, uh, you will make it big time. We will put our faith in you. If you're young enough, uh, if you're good enough, sorry, your age doesn't matter, basically. So as long as your attitude's right and you're performing well, then we will consider you for the first team. We've seen it with Anthony Alanga as well. Uh, we've seen a vast improvement in Marcus Rashford's attitude. So I think for Eric Ten Hag, it's all about attitudes and being good at what you do. And I've got to be honest, this kid's pretty good at what he does. He's only 18. Uh, the goal against Fulham, I believe it was, yes, this weekend just gone, was fantastic. The tenacity with the way this guy attacks people and I don't mean from like a, a, a tackling aggressive point of view, but he really wants the ball. So he really, really goes for it. And he seems to have like about five gears of speed as well. Because if you go back and watch that Fulham goal, he's running to try and get to the ball. And then all of a sudden, it's like someone puts him on fast forward and he just picks up speed, beats the defender and then puts a beautifully... Um, what's the right word? A it's just a beautifully accurate shot really low past the goalkeeper. Some might argue that the goalkeeper should have done better. I don't know. I just think that was a really exquisite finish. And his pass in one of the for one of the goals against Aston Villa, I think it was in the cup match. Go and check that out. Oh my god, this kid's so good. His technique's fantastic. His vision's amazing. 
his speed is amazing. His attitude seems to be good to me. It might not have been, but it has been. Uh, I think we've got a real star on our hands. He's young. There's a long way to go. We've had a lot of false dawns with Adnan Yanazai, people I've seen comparing him to like Frederico Makeda or Danny Welbeck. Or, is a very different kind of player. The only sad thing for me is that as he's Spanish, although I believe he plays for Argentina, if, if I'm correct, I could be wrong, but I do believe he's Spanish. I think we got him from Atletico Madrid, if, if I'm right. Um, when he was about 15, 16. The only sad thing for me is I think we're going to see a similar case to his his idol, who there's you'll see pictures of them together on, on social media during matches and stuff when he's made an impact. Uh, we're going to see him do a Ronaldo and he's going to want to play for a Barcelona or a Real, maybe not Real Madrid because he might, I think he came from Atletico Madrid. Um, don't that come up on my stats? I'm not sure. It was just purely stats for Manchester United. I think he's going to leave. I think we'll develop him like we did Ronaldo. I don't want to compare him to Ronaldo. This is not me comparing them skill sets or what they're going to become. But I just think their career paths are destined for the same tr- places, if you see what I mean. So I think, sadly, he'll go and play for a Barcelona or an Atletico Madrid. I don't think he's going to be a Ryan Giggs that's going to stay at our club for the whole of his career. If he does and he becomes the player that he's showing that he can be, then that's amazing. And I will happily sit and watch him all day because this kid's special. I don't think he should be starting games right now. I think we saw in, I think it was the league game against Aston Villa that we lost. Uh, Ten Hag made some changes and brought in Garnacho and Van der Beek in place of, I think it was Sancho and Bruno, I think, Fernandez. And it didn't do well. I think that was the actually the game that Ronaldo was made captain that I spoke about earlier. So I think we should just be starting him off the bench. Make him an impact sub for now. He's only 18. Let him come on. Let him. He's clearly a game changer. You, you can just see it. His willingness to get on the ball and, and make changes to the game. I think he's amazing. The technique is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to watching him. While we're here, it is the closed season. And, well, the closed season, technically, because we're going off to the World Cup. And before I talk about the England squad, because the England squad was announced, me and Dan did a show about a month ago now, picking our own squads. And obviously, our own squads don't match uh, Gareth Southgate's. I just want to go through, because basically we're going to come back from the World Cup right at Christmas. I think we'll come the next Premier League game, I think it's Boxing Day. Uh, So that's the 26th of December, I believe. And then obviously the January transfer window opens. So I just want to go through. Why aren't you working? Sorry. I just want to go through the Manchester United first team website. And give my views on who should stay and who should go. We'll start off with the goalkeepers. I think De Gea has earned a new contract. I think he's going to have to take a massive pay cut because I think he's on about 375 grand a week. So I think he's going to have to take a massive pay cut on that. I don't think, I think Man United are going to be trying to be a little bit more economical with their wages from now on. There won't be like Ronaldo 
Pogba De Gea wages anymore. Dean Henderson, I think he needs to calm down a little bit. Uh, he's not shown himself in the best of lights at Nottingham Forest as of late. I know it was, the Forest job was always a difficult one because they had to sign so many players so quickly to have a squad. I think Martin Dubravka, I think I've said before, is quite a good goalkeeper. I think we should sign him on a permanent basis as backup to De Gea, but I could potentially see De Gea leaving in the summer on a free transfer. I hope he doesn't because he's a good shot stopper. I know I call him Dodgy Dave, but he is a good shot stopper. I think he just needs a mean defence in front of him. And I think when he's got Varane and Martinez, who has been an astounding signing in front of him, I think he looks better. I think Tom Heaton's retiring at the end of the season. I'm not sure about that, but possibly. Victor Lindelof, I think his time's up. I can't see him getting in. Eric Bailly, I think, is out on loan at the moment, and hopefully that transfer will be made permanent. Phil Jones needs to go. He's bled this club dry. He's on about 140 grand a week. So do the right thing. Go somewhere else and play football if you're fit. Harry Maguire is rumoured to have been put on the transfer market by Eric Ten Hag. It's been in the media a lot lately. I think it would do him good. I think Harry Maguire's got a lot of stuff going on. There was an incident, I believe it was in Greece last year, and there was rumours of him being in legal trouble. I think that's weighed heavily on his mind. I think moving away from Manchester United would be a good thing. Martinez can't go anywhere. He's been astounding and he's only just arrived. Malassia has obviously just arrived. Varane, I think, kept fit, is doing very well with Martinez. Diogo Dallo is another one who's out of contract. I don't know why they haven't nailed him down to a contract. He's been fantastic this season. He was great at AC Milan for a year and then came back and was in and out under various managers. And Ten Hag seems to like him, so get that deal signed. Get it done quick. Luke Shaw, obviously no problem. Alex Tellez, I believe, is out on loan. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I love Aaron Wan-Bissaka. If you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that I'm a big fan of his defensive capabilities. I think the problem is, is there is a disconnect now. I think everybody sees the sort of assist numbers that the likes of Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold are putting in, and everybody's got to do that now rather than be a defender. So I think that's where Aaron Wan-Bissaka's fallen down. I know he's had a lot of uh, issues with injury and illness, Eric Ten Hag said recently, so hopefully he can either come back and be a part of the first team or he can get a loan, go out, get fit, find some confidence and then come back to us fresh. But I think if he's available, I think Aaron, excuse me, sorry, Ten Hag will give him game time. Brandon Williams, a player I really like, uh, spent last season out on loan at Norwich, did not do well, but it's because he was at Norwich. I'd really like him. He's a tenacious young attacking fullback. I think once he's fit, I think he could do well. Alex Axel Twanzebe, I think his time has come to leave. Uh, he's been at the club for a long time. I do like him. I think he's quite good, but he's been out on loan a lot and he's not covered himself in glory. So I think it's time to cash in. Tenden Mengi and Alvaro Fernandez, both ones for the future. There is another one on here that isn't listed. I'm not sure why, which is Ethan Laird. If they can keep him fit, I think he's got talent. He proved that in preseason. I would like to see him get some time with the first team. Midfielders, Bruno, obviously not going anywhere. Christian Eriksen, not going anywhere. 
Ahmad Trior, uh, Ahmed Diallo, sorry, it's not Triore, is it? Ahmed Diallo is currently on loan at Sunderland. And if you go online and look up his last game, he scored a worldie for them. So go and have a look up. Kid's got massive talent. It's whether he's going to break in or not. Fred is doing his best, bless him. But I think it's time to cash. To, I don't know. Can you cash in on Fred? I'm not sure. But we'll go. Casemiro has obviously just arrived and doing quite well. Facundo Palestri, I think it might be time for him to move on. Seems to have talent. He seems to be a very direct running winger. Um, but I just don't think he's going to get in ahead of the likes of Jaden Sancho, etc. Donny van der Beek, it's time to go. He's not been fancied by three managers. He's come on. He's got himself fit again. He's another one who seems to struggle with injuries. I just don't think he's strong enough or fast enough for the Premier League. I think if he went to someone like Spain, someone, sorry, somewhere like Spain, I think he'd probably be very well because he's technically very gifted. You have to be to come out of Ajax's academy and play in their first team. Scott McTominay, love him. I know people, and Dan, particularly on this podcast, don't see what all the fuss is about. I think he's something different. I don't think he's a starter, but I like Scott McTominay. Hannibal's out on loan at Birmingham at the moment. I must admit, I haven't seen too much of what he's been doing, but hopefully he'll come back and a more mature player and will do well for us in the squad next season. Oh, dear. On to the forwards. Cristiano Ronaldo, I think we've all just seen him sign his own transfer, really. I hope he's got a club lined up for him because I don't know if I said it when I was talking about him. I just don't want him at Old Trafford anymore. It's the same situation with Juventus. It was all about Ronaldo there and it's all about Ronaldo here. I just don't want it. We're moving into a new era. He's 38. Thank you very much for your service. Goodbye. Anthony Martial. This one for me is interesting because he's so inconsistent. He's had a couple of good seasons and a couple of horrible seasons. He seems to be doing well under Ten Hag. He's scored a few goals. The problem is, is he's not been able to stay fit at the moment. I think Eric Ten Hag's worked a lot of players very hard. And I think we've seen a few injuries as a result of that. Um, so hopefully if Martial can come back and play well and play close to his or even play to the peak of his abilities, because there's no doubt he's a massive talent, then I think he's going to do fine. Uh, I, his link-up play is fantastic. I think he works really well with Marcus Rashford. Uh, and they seem to rotate nicely down the centre of the pitch. So one will drop wide, one will come in and score the goal, etc. Marcus Rashford give him a new contract his attitude's massively improved his confidence is back he's scoring goals he's Manchester United's top goal scorer keep going lad this is what we want to see Mason Greenwood we don't know if we're ever going to see him again I've spoken about this before go back and listen to our old podcasts if you want to uh, about that one I'm not getting into that one anymore Anthony has just arrived looks like a bit of a baller uh, I like the fact he's got a bit of talent. His spinny thing the other week was a bit... Yeah, I'm not sure. I want to see flicks and tricks. I love watching flamboyant footballers pull off tricks and flicks, but I think that one... Leave that one in the box and try something else. Jaden Sancho. A lot of people are coming down hard on Jaden Sancho. I'm going to talk about Jaden Sancho for England in a bit. Uh, obviously, he's not producing the numbers he did at Dortmund. But, and he should be playing a lot better, let's be honest, he should be. 
But I, I think if, I think there's a place for him at Manchester United. I think he just needs to refine a bit of confidence. I don't know if he's injured or anything at the moment. I haven't seen him for a few games. Uh, I'd have to look up and see if he's actually injured. But he might just be out because one of the things I love about Eric Ten Hag is, is if you don't perform, you're out. And you'll only come back in when somebody else doesn't perform. I genuinely am behind Eric Ten Hag because, as I said, he's brought back discipline and structure to the club. And I think we can actually build something under him. Anthony Alanga, lots of pace, very raw. I think there's potential there to work with. Maybe alone. Um, just to get him a season under his belt, like a full season championship, somewhere abroad. I think maybe somewhere like if they could get him to like a PSV or somewhere for a season, I think it would be good for him to work on his technical ability and get a full season under his belt. Shola Shotar, I think he's under 23s at the moment, if I remember rightly. I think he needs a loan just to develop a little bit. And then our rising star, Alejandro Garnacho, which I've already said, bring him off the bench, pop him in, pop him out, let him do his thing. So I'm all for that. Absolutely. Um where do I think Man United need strengthening? I think we are going to need a centre-back at some point. I love Martinez, uh, but I think Varane, we need better quality to replace Varane if we're to, to move forwards. Because Varane's a fantastic player with great quality, but his fitness is an issue. So we need someone of a similar quality to come in to fulfil that hole. I think central midfield needs the most work. Ericsson, Eric Ten Hag has been great in realising that Ericsson can drop in and play the, the playmaker in central midfield, but I think we need better quality than Fred and Donny van der Beek. I think in terms of where van der Beek goes, I think we even need someone who can take over from Christian Ericsson in midfield so Ericsson can push forwards and provide backup and support for Bruno Fernandes. Or if we're going to leave Christian Ericsson there, we need someone who can come in and pick up for Bruno Fernandes. I think, potentially, I think Shola Shotai could be that guy. He's, he's got massive skill and he looks really good, but I think he needs the game time. So, I think midfield, two midfielders, although the club has spoken and said that they're not looking to do business in January and will wait until the summer. So, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, so that's my Man United take. That is what's been going on with Ronaldo and everything else. And we are going to now switch our attention back to England because the World Cup is about a week away now. And it's he's announced his squad and his squad is... Pretty much, I think, what a lot of people would have expected. So let's see if I can screen share again the England World Cup squad. And I'm going to go through my issues with this. Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope, Aaron Ramsdale, pretty much the goalkeepers you'd expect. We've only really got four goalkeepers, I think, that could be in there. And Dean Henderson's not done well at Nottingham Forest. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kieran Trippier are right back, as you can see. 
to be honest, those were the expected names because Reese James has been injured. Aaron wan is off the off out of the picture. There, there's other options, but they're not ready for England. Luke Shaw is the only left back, I believe. Yep. He is the only left back. So as Dan predicted on previous pods, you're going to see Kieran Trippier at left back at some point. Central defence, Connor Cody, Eric Dier, Harry Maguire, John Stones, Kyle Walker, Ben White. Obviously, Kyle Walker can play on the right as well. There are names in here that I wouldn't go with, and we're going to talk about those in a second. Midfield, Jude Bellingham, Connor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, James Madison. Sorry, we're going into forwards. Forwards, James Madison, Callum Wilson, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka, Raheem Sterling. Right. So that is pretty much as you'd expect. It's a Gareth Southgate squad with his favourite players in it. If you go back and listen to previous podcasts, you will know I'm not a big fan of Gareth Southgate. So I'll give credit where credit's due. If he wins a match, he wins a match. But um, I don't believe the hype. Just because he got us to a court, uh, semifinals and a finals, I'm not. I don't believe it. I, th- I think he got lucky. He got favourable draws, shall we say, to get us to those places. And when we've come across anybody good, we've got walloped. He's tactically insufficient, I will say for that. But let's talk about players I don't believe that should be in there. And um, so we're going to start with, you guessed it, centre-halves, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire should not be anywhere near this England squad. And I am going to show you why. Okay, to screen shares. Right. Sorry, just let me click. We're going to go to Harry Maguire's stats first. Where are we? That's Callum Wilson. Sorry, bear with me one second. Right, Harry Maguire has played nine games this season and received five yellow cards in those nine games. Harry Maguire has played one game in the past month. And that that's over about six, seven fixtures. So he's played once in seven potential fixtures, according to the stats of transfermarket.com. He's been in terrible form for at least 12 months. Some people say two years. I will say 12 months. It's He shouldn't be there, but he's Gareth Southgate's lad. So I've been criticised on this podcast before for not giving alternatives to my critiques. So I'm going to give some alternatives this time. We're going to start with Dan Byrne. Now, bearing in mind that Gareth Southgate's only announced one left-back, Dan Byrne plays at both left-back and centre-back. So you've got two positions covered in. He has been fantastic last season for Brighton and Newcastle, and he's been very good again for Newcastle this season, who I believe are now third in the Premier League table, if I'm right. So either third or fourth, I stand corrected. So Dan Byrne, let's have a look. He's got two yellow cards and he's played 16 games. So I think that's a pretty good ratio. Hasn't scored any, but to be fair, he's a defender. He's a centre-back mainly. So it's not really his job to score goals. I'll also go an alternative route. And this may suppose, sorry, suppose. I don't know what that word even is, surprise a few people. But if you're looking for an experienced replacement, because the argument for Dan Byrne could be he's not played for England so, or he's not got the sufficient 
experience to cover for a Harry Maguire. So I give you Chris Smalling instead. Now, people may laugh at this because Chris Smalling was ridiculed at Manchester United. But if you watch his time at Roma, he's become a very good centre-half, a dominating centre-half. He's got plenty of experience for England. He's got plenty of experience in the Champions League, in the Europa League, in Serie A, in the Premier League. He's won trophies with Manchester United. And as you can see, he's played 21 games in total and scored three goals. So you get a goal-scoring centre-back as well. And if you don't fancy Chris Smalling, if you think his time's gone, which clearly Gareth Southgate does because he hasn't touched him with a barge pole, I am going next with Fakayo Tomori. Everybody in the media is saying he should be on the plane. Now, Serie A winner, one of the best centre-backs in Europe last year. This year, he's had a little bit of a rougher ride. Uh, he's played 20 games, scored one goal. He did get sent off, I believe that was against Chelsea in the Champions League, I think it was. He did have a couple of bad games against Chelsea. No, was it? Uh, yeah, it was against Chelsea. So how this guy is not on the plane in... I would take him above Cody, I would take him above Dier, and I would definitely take him above Harry Maguire. If you don't fancy Fakayo Tomori, we don't know why, then look into the future. Mark Gay. Mark Gay should 100% be in the England squad. Gareth Southgate seems to have gone with experienced heads. That's why Eric Dier is back in... Eric Dier, sorry. I keep calling him Dier because the way it's spelled. It's Eric Dier at Tottenham. He has a lot of experience playing for England over the years. He played central midfield. He's played centre-back in a three. So you can understand why they've brought him back in. I personally would have taken Mark Gahey, Gay, however it's pronounced. Um, I hope that he's played, got enough caps so that he doesn't get taken by, I think it's the Ivory Coast he qualifies for, if I'm correctly. I'd I want to see him in an England shirt. I want to see him get time. I want to see him get experience at international level. I think he's a potential future England centre-back pairing with Mark uh, with Fakayo Tomori. So give him time. Give him game time. Is that all of them? Yes, that is. Right. So that then brings me on next to another person from Gareth Southgate's squad that I wouldn't have in. And that was Calvin Phillips. And the reason I wouldn't have Calvin Phillips in this squad, I actually like Calvin Phillips. I think he's a very good player. But he's moved to Manchester City in the summer and he has played played, sorry, 53 minutes of football this season. 53 minutes. That's it. He's played four games, 53 minutes this season so far. He's been injured, to be fair to him, but it's 53 minutes. How can he possibly be fit enough to play three games in a week? Of course, he doesn't have to play three games in a week. You can rotate, but... And the other thing is he hasn't had any sufficient game time to prove that he's over his injury. So he could go and he could break down at any moment. And I think that is very fair on my recommendation to replace him, which would have been, for anybody who's listened to this podcast before, James Ward-Prowse, who has been running and holding Southampton up for years. He's played 16 times this season, got two goals, two assists, two yellow cards. He's a leader. He's a set-piece expert say expert, but he's very, very good. He takes penalties, scores very well. He's an all-round talented central midfielder. What more do you want to take with you? I, Sorry, I just don't agree that Calvin Phillips should be there. 
The next one I'm going to disagree with is Callum Wilson. Played 11 games, six goals, two assists, one yellow card. Great stats for this season. The problem with Callum Wilson is if you scroll down just a little bit, I don't know if we can on this. Oh, no, I'm bouncing between. Where are we? Sorry. We've gone all the way back. I apologise again. First time I'm doing this. The problem is, if you look down here, hamstring injuries. This guy is a great, talented striker. I really like him. When he's fit and firing, it's fantastic. So good. But the problem is, he's keeping him fit. I think he missed the last Wolves game because he had the flu or something, or some illness, it was said. Um... Bless him, his immune system and his body just doesn't seem to want to keep up with his talent. And then if you look at, again, because I've been criticised for not giving an option to replace him, you look at Ivan Tony, 16 games, 11 goals, three assists. Okay, he gets booked a fair bit for a striker, but he scored more goals, played more games, got more assists, is a penalty expert. I've never seen anyone. I will give him the credit, give him the title of, expert when it comes to penalties. I've never seen anyone take penalties like it. The only person I've ever seen come close is Bruno Fernandes. Uh, he went on that mad run. I think he scored like his first 20 penalties for Man United or something. It was bonkers. When it comes to World Cups, when it comes to Euros, when it comes to semi-finals, finals, you need quality penalty takers. How is this guy, what has Callum Wilson done to get in ahead of Ivan Tony? I think Ivan Tony's been treated pretty poorly by Gareth Southgate. Called him up for last squad, had two two chances to play him in two games, didn't give him a single minute, then drops him for the World Cup and brings up Callum Wilson, who I'm not sure, has he ever played for England? He might have come on as a sub or got one cap or something. Sorry, I'm taking Ivan Tony every day of the week. And on to my last one, I think, Jack Graylish. Now, great talent. I've got my reservations about Jack Graylish, not as a player, but because he doesn't, for me personally, I don't think he fits the style of Manchester City. I think he slows the game down and he, Manchester City play quick, fast, attacking, passing football. And Jack slows the game down to try and beat a man and do something special. So I just don't think he fits in at Manchester City. I think he needs to leave Manchester City and find a different club that will make him the focal point and play his style of football. Manchester City just won't. And I think he'll leave Manchester City at the end of the season. But... He's played 16 games this season, scored one goal and zero assists. That's not good enough from an attacking player. But again, he's one of Gareth Southgate's favourites. I've got to make recommendations, right? Oh, sorry. Shout out to our, sponsor, to our associates again. So where are we? Who's this? This is Harvey Barnes of Leicester. Unfortunately, I've screenshotted it too low. Harvey Barnes played 15, scored six, assisted one. How is this guy not getting a look in under Gareth Southgate? He's been one of Leicester City's best players in a long old time. Absolute long old time. How is he not in the squad? How is he not getting a look in? I know there's talent ahead of him. There's Phil Foden, there's Jack Grange. But if you look at the stats, Grange shouldn't even be in this squad. Harvey Barnes should be. And we'll, we'll also do a comparison because these are Jaden Sancho's stats. Now, Jaden Sancho's got a lot of stick for Manchester United. But if you look at his stats, 14 games, three goals, one assist, that's still better than Jack Grealish's. So why isn't Jaden Sancho in the squad? 
those are Garnacho stats. Sorry, let me stop the screen share. How is Jack Grealish in ahead of Jaden Sancho and Harvey Barnes? And those are just two names that I've found. I'm sure there would be other options to consider. I mean, Dwight McNeil, I did look up. He's been playing at Everton, Everton have had a mixed season so far, but he has got two goals and it's still more than Jack Grealish. So I don't agree with Gareth Southgate's squad. I am not optimistic about our chances at the World Cup. People may call me negative, but we haven't won a game in six. We've scored before the Germany game. We scored, I think it was one penalty from, and that was it in five games. I We have a squad of unfit players, out of form players. I think Gareth Southgate's taken too many risks. Callum Wilson, for me, is definitely a risk, not because he's not a talented player, because he is, but he breaks down so randomly, so quickly. It. I've got a funny feeling we won't make it out of the group. We should, realistically, if you look at our past record, we've hit a semi-final and a final, we should be looking to win this. But I don't think Gareth Southgate's tactically astute enough to win a title for England. I'm still baffled as to how he got the job because he got relegated with Middlesbrough, then got the under-21s job, won nothing with a very talented squad, then got promoted because Sam Allardyce got yeeted and then booted out, sorry. And then he was rushed in because there didn't seem to be anyone else. And he's done well with what he's got, but we should be doing a lot better with the talent that we have. And I think his football's negative. And I think we might struggle. I think USA have got the talent to beat us. I think Wales will be a challenge. Um, I think anything could happen. I think last 16 is our best bet. So I guess we're about to find out. Again, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much again to the guys. Let's see if I can do this one last time. Thank you very much to everybody who tunes in and pays a, to this. It's been a an experience for me just to try and do this. But once again, thanks to the Proper Blokes Club, walking and talking for men's mental health. Go to www.thepropablokesclub.co.uk and to Let Us Talk Mental Health at Let Us Talk underscore MH on Twitter. Uh, thanks again to all those guys. And once again, we're happy to share our platform with you and promote the stuff that you do. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Again, my apologies for not having a podcast for so long. I am back now, so... Well, as I said, I'm going to try and carry it through and hopefully the other guys will be able to join me when their schedules allow. And we'll, I'll try and bring you as much content as I can over the World Cup. Uh, until then, take care, enjoy the World Cup and we'll see you for the opening round of games.